Welcome to the Blonde Runner Podcast with Coach Laura Erickson, where she shares her healthy living tips as a running and triathlon coach and mother of four. Hello, friends. Coach Laura Erickson here. I just wanted to connect with you, and I thought it would be really fun to go through some of the running lingo or the different definitions and terms, and especially the I think fun slang. So a lot of words, tons of words in running. And um, even if you're new to running, obviously these are all probably going to be new or a lot of them will be. But even if you've been running for a long time, some of these words might be surprising because um, slang and things have come about. Um, many of the words are pretty, pretty recently came out. So it's always surprising to me when I do running form uh, with people and I talk to people that have run for years and they've sometimes not heard of the words that I use. So it's, and then some of them are very common. So I definitely think this is worth going through. So, uh, one of the first things I wanted to talk about was the word cadence. Um, so I sort of have a rhythm to what I'm going to be talking about here, but just stick with me. It all makes sense at the end. And at the end, I'll go through all this slang. So you want to stay, you want to stay connected till you hear all that. Cause it's kind of humorous actually. So Cadence is a word when I very first started running, you know, 30 something, 40 years ago, forever ago. Um, it wasn't a word we used a lot, but as I've uh, been in running more and more, and especially the last five years, cadence is a word that we do use. Um, it's another word or term that's used is called running turnover or your leg turnover. So basically it's the number of steps that you take in a minute. So, um, it's one of the two factors that really make up your, the speed. So that your speed is basically, it's that stride length and then that uh, number of steps you're taking. So so cadence is important. So that's something that we hear a lot of. Um, other words that we hear a lot of, and I guess I kind of wanted to start with this too, is that a lot of people refer to runners as joggers and then runners. And I guess in my mind, a jogger is, it's a lot slower pacing. Uh, maybe it's somebody we would refer to as a newbie. Uh, that's another uh, kind of a slang term we use. I'm sure you've heard that before. Um, but it, the way I look at it is if you're a runner, you 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 run. If you run, I guess jogging could be, it's kind of a slower version of running. But not. we don't really use jogging as much anymore, but something to think about. Um, the next thing is form. I already alluded to form, but form is basically the way that you hold your body while you're moving and how you move your body. So it's like your arm position or your leg movement. Um, I do offer running form feedback in, in the sessions that I do in person in my northern Utah area. I also do online. But basically getting feedback can help you become more efficient and you can get less injury. So Running form, everybody has a certain running style, and I usually don't mess with their style, but we can make it more efficient. So running form is a word you'll hear a lot. Um, that's what it refers to. Uh, the, the other thing that you'll hear a lot is pace, the word pace. Uh, pace generally, at least in America, is known as, uh, it's usually formulated in minutes per mile. So if you're going seven minute mile pace, um, or a lot of other countries like Australia or Canada, I know when I was in Africa, they referred to it as your pace per like kilometers versus mile. So, you know, you're pacing there. So, uh, but it's basically the speed at which you're traveling. 
So I know on the treadmill, there's different levels of speed as well. And you have to familiarize yourself with that if you do a lot of treadmill running. Um, I know in like the car, we refer to it as like your miles per hour. Obviously, we're not, you know, if you're maybe Ustan Bolt, you can go like 27 miles per hour or something crazy fast like he is for 100 meters. You know, it's fast, but um, but mostly it's minutes per mile. Um, in, in terms of, oh, I, um, I did cover cadence a little, but I did want to suggest, um, that you can, I wanted to tell you that you can track your cadence. You can count your steps in a minute. You can also download an app. I usually use a music app that gives me uh, audible tone and then I can work on cadence. So a lot of the people I work with, that's how I have them work on your cadence because it's, it's something hard to track really, unless you have like a pod on your shoe or your watch or things like that can track those things. So that's something to be, be aware of. Um, with stride, it's a word you hear a lot in running. There's actually different variations of the term. Uh, one of the, I think one of the common ones is well, you can be either your stride is going to be your length that you take with your steps, right? It's going to be two successive steps, one after the other in the distance. That's your, like, that's your stride length. Um, a lot of times uh, people will refer to something called doing strides. Uh, so kind of like a, a pickup or well, we'll talk about that too. There's lots of different terms, but um, stride, doing strides is different than your stride. Or uh, another thing, another way people use this term is uh, like striding out or getting a little more with each step. Um, and kind of that ties us into the running gait. Running gait is basically the cycle of your that your leg travels in one step while you're running. So very similar, right? There's pretty much two phases of running. You've got your, your stance and your swing. And then then other terms you may have heard, which is sort of a sub-phase of that gait, is going to be float or flight. Basically, that float, you've heard of float with shoes. You know, what does it feel like? What's that float? It's usually where you're not touching the ground at all. So that's kind of part of your running uh, form. So um, another... Uh, term we hear a lot is foot strike. So that's when you're hitting the ground. And that one I think is fairly obvious, but um, how you hit the ground matters. So that foot strike, obviously running form can change that. So um, another term that we'll use, and these kind of all tie together, but um, is the word fartlek. And I remember the first time I heard this word was in high school and people were like, what? I was like, what is that? So Fartlek, F-A-R-T-L-E-K, is a Swedish word that means speed play. And this is the word I often will use. It's been around forever that people are like, even that have run for a while, aren't familiar with. So it's it's basically a form of speed. And we'll talk about that a little more with some of the other terms. So another word that you might want to be familiar with. Uh, another term that I often use as a runner, maybe this isn't as commonly heard, is something called vertical oscillation. Basically, this relates to form, but it's your movement up and down. And so, um, obviously, reducing your movement up and down will help you run more efficiently, and that's kind of ties all into running form. So, that's what that word means. Um, other terms you see a lot, 
or acronyms are WU, which means a warm up, which is what it sounds like. It's a lesser version of the activity you're going to do generally. Sometimes I'll have my triathletes cycle for a run outdoor as a warm up, so it can be a different activity as well, but it's generally generally a lesser version. It's not an intense version. Uh, maybe you would consider it walking or jogging before you run fast, right? Sometimes it's done before you even do some stretching. Um, that kind of leads us into this idea of dynamic warm-up. So for me, there's there's a static warm-up, which is, there's static stretching, which is like holding a position with your muscles as it's stretched. And there's something called dynamic stretching or dynamic warm-up. So they're a little bit different, but a dynamic warm-up I like to describe as a movement warm-up. And I actually have a video clip on this on Facebook, so you can always message me. I can send you the clip so you can see what this looks like. Um, I like to, you know, put music on a dance and move, but I do have that in the video clip, and you can you can see what that dynamic is more movement. Uh, stretching, it's the same. It's a similar thing where there's a movement to it, whereas static is still. Um, Another term that will you can see a lot, it, the acronym being CD or a cool down is something that you'll see, especially if you do structured workouts. Um, if you look up a plan or if you're working with a coach, they may put that in your training. Basically, it's a lesser version. It allows your body to cool down. So that's what that means. Um, it's usually after your workout or after the main set. MS is another thing you might see is called a main set is the main part of a workout. Usually it's outside of the, you know, you've got warm up, a main set and a cool down. And that's pretty much a workout design. Depends on what you're doing. But that's how I structure a lot of mine. Um, another thing that you'll see a lot in, in as, you know, a term in running would be cross training. Um, this is often signified as an acronym XT. And this is something different for every sport. So let's say if you're a runner, your cross training is going to be something different than running. If you're a cyclist or if you're maybe you're a swimmer or a different sport, it's going to be something that's your non-primary sport. So cross-training really means something different for each sport. So that's something to consider. Very common term. These are all very quite common terms. I'll get into the not as common terms or the slang, so just stay with me here. Um, strength training is generally something where you're you're stressing the muscle more by adding weight. It could be actually uh, dumbbells or, or weight bar or you know stuff like that or it could be your own body weight so that's what strength training is um, there's also something I call core strengthening and that is more obviously focused on your your abdomen area um, your you know hips and making sure everything's everything's working well for that um, on my Instagram I do have a clip to that if you want to know what a good core strength like a beginning portion of it for me in my training, strength training is kind of above the core strength. It is part of it, but there's, you know, when you're doing a lot more weights and stuff, then, then it's strength training. So uh, I just want to differentiate that. Um, the next one would be rest days. Now, rest is interesting. Often I will call R&R in my workouts or people that I coach, but um, rest and recovery, it's very important and needed. Um, but there's also something called active rest. Active rest 
is done several ways. One, it can be a whole day. Like your whole day could be an active rest day where you're not actually getting a hard workout, but maybe you're doing something easy like walking. Another active rest would be when you're at the track and it's something that you do between an interval. So you're not laying down on the ground. You're actually moving around or you're doing a slow jog. Um, so that's also considered active rest. So rest days versus active rest, there's a difference there. Uh, another term that you hear often with running is junk miles. Um, I wouldn't say any of the miles you run are junk per se, but they're maybe easy run miles. They're not necessarily structured. They're, they're just quite easy. So, um, and that's valuable when it comes to another word we use a lot, which is overtraining. It usually happens when you do too much too soon. There's just um, your body uh, usually can get injured. So it's pretty pretty closely related to uh, that. Or your overtraining is often right before you start getting injured. So being careful not to get too much of that. Um, there is something called a 10% rule. I actually cover this on YouTube in a video if you want to learn more about it. Basically, it's increasing your mileage by 10% every week. Um, that's just a standard kind of rule of thumb. Uh, there's not quite as simple as that, but that is something that you should be aware of if you're a runner, is the 10% rule. Uh, other things, other terms we use are called burnout. Um, that might be obvious, but burnout usually relates to your mental state. Uh, maybe it isn't, it isn't necessarily um, a one day you don't feel like working out. It's sort of a you're feeling burnt out, it's more than one day. It's a succession of days where you just don't feel motivated to do it. Um, usually that happens when we do too much at first or we just have an unsustainable load. Maybe we're just juggling too much stuff. So, um, okay, other, other, we're going to kind of move into types of runners now. Um, or maybe a challenge. I see a lot of people doing challenges that are, they call, they call them streakers. And I've known people that have done streaks of running for years. So basically it's, it's a determined distance that you want to run. So maybe you're, you're a run streaker. Doesn't mean you're running without clothes. No, <laughs> but you decide I'm going to run one mile every day for I'm just going to run, you know, for 30 days, for uh, two months, for six months, for a year, whatever you choose to be your streak. Some people, like I say, streak for years. They get a certain amount or distance every day. I've known people that do 5Ks every day. Um, it's just something, it's it's a consistency is, is important with training. So um, it can be very valuable. Um, but it's generally a length of time every day that you do it, either time or mileage. Uh, totally up to you on that. Um barefoot runner is something that has kind of come about more recently and it's sort of weaned away now but it was those that run of course without shoes or minimalist shoes which are basically no cushion uh, a lot of them have you've probably heard of the five finger you know uh, shoes um, or even a sandal that's kind of your minimalist very ancestric I don't know how you explain it um theory of running um to avoid injury you you build strength with your own like your own body it's more for trail running i would say with barefoot running um another kind i guess of type of runner would be uh your beginner you've got an intermediate level and you've got an advanced level and elite level and i won't take the time to like 
define all those. I actually have a podcast that I did that. If you're not sure which level you are, listen to that one. That'll let you know. Um, most people know when they're elite, but the others are just depends on your experience. Um, definitely listen in there. Um, another type, I guess, of runner is a triathlete. So triathletes do, of course, more than one sport, mostly swim, bike, run. Um, that is going to be a whole nother podcast because there's terms related to triathlon that are, that aren't necessarily only related to running. So I'm going to do, I've decided to do a separate podcast on that. Same with ultra marathoner. There's a whole bunch of slang and words that the ultra marathoner community uses. So definitely listen to that one. Ultra marathoners basically are defined though, as those that run any distance over a traditional 26.2 mile race. Um, common distances are like a 50K, which is 31 miles, 50 miler, 100K, which is 62 miles, or you've got 100 milers, even 200 milers. Um, anyway, that's going to be your ultra runner. Again, we have totally different, you know, mountain goading and trail money, and there's a lot of words that they use in there. So we'll cover those another time. Um, in terms of running lengths of races, You've got a 400 meter, which is a track, which is one lap on a track or outdoor track. You got 5K, which is 3.1 miles, 10K, which is 6.2 miles, half marathon, which is 13.1 miles, and then a marathon is 26.2. These are your basic um, distances in races. There can be a variation of those. Um, I want to kind of talk about the different types of terrain. Uh, so there are trail runs, obviously that's done on a trail, road runs that are done uh, on the roads, uh, which I, I like to have people do a blend. Even if they're trail runner, I think it's important to get the cadence or the turnover on the roads. Um, another term that are used usually with those are, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the term out and back, which is a turnaround. A lot of times people do a, a run that's an out and back. So you go out one exact way you know one path and then you repeat that path back so you just do a turnaround same often when I do something called a negative split run I'm doing the same thing it's usually an out and back where I'm going the same route and then I go out um, slower than I come back so I'm faster the second half and that's what a negative split is very effective for training racing actually really good for racing. You don't want to start off too fast, right? So, um, okay, we already talked about the tracks. You know, one lap is a quarter mile. Um, obviously, different terrain there. Um, let's talk about the different kinds of runs. So, you can do something called a recovery run, which is generally a slower pace run, and it's usually want to kind of alternate. If you've done a hard workout, you want to do an easier workout to recover, um, that's what the recovery run is for recovery. So, uh, another term we hear a lot is called taper. It's usually that period of lower volume before a big race. So you hear of a taper before like a marathon. Um, tapers can be any length of time. Usually it's between seven and 20 days, depending on what race you're doing. So it allows your body to really like prepare rest up for that long event so uh, another word or term you'll hear is speed work and this can be divided into other things but pretty much speed work helps you get faster 
So this could be um, hill sprints, it could be intervals, it could be tempo runs and uh, fartlek running and um, snowballs and some of these other terms I'll define for you. But that, that kind of is an umbrella term for all of those. So let's talk about some of these other ones. Um, tempo run gen generally is a, it's, it's longer than like a track or interval would be. It's a longer like maybe you're going to run three to six miles and it's going to be the effort that you can actually hold for a mile. So it's not slow and it's not fast. Um, another term you might hear is a hard, easy pace, which is kind of an oxymoron, but it's often um, not a com it's not 100% comfortable, but it's also something you can maintain. So it helps you build endurance. It helps you run faster for longer. So tempo runs are really good for that. Intervals are generally something that you, you have a high intensity and then a low intensity. More so than a fartlek. Fartlek is like you're picking up the pace. Maybe you're 80% with that harder effort. I usually have people working on good form with the fartlek run. Whereas intervals are a little more high intense. Maybe you are sprinting and then you're doing a low intensity recovery portion. And then you're going on a harder, you know, intervals are generally at a specific, you know, distance or pacing. Um, and there's usually multiples. So maybe you're doing something at the track and you're doing a multiple amount of those with the same rest interval or decreasing interval. It just depends. Speed work, a lot of people don't really do, right? So um, if you need help, let me know. But uh, that's what intervals are. Um, hill sprints or hill work or hill repeats, lots of things we can do with the hills, um, are basically a drill. Uh, most, most of the time with a hill repeat, you're going to go up hard and down easy. But it's it's at an incline. I mean, it's a hill. That's the idea is to help you work on that portion. It also helps you work on the down. A lot of people sort of fall asleep going on the downhill, and they really need to watch the hip drop, and they need to work, you know, worry about better work on that. So, another good reason to have your running form looked at. Um, it does change going up and down hills, but uh, there are those are terms you'll hear a lot. Another term that you'll you'll hear kind of a still under that umbrella speed work term is going to be pickups. So a segment just of an existing run where you're kind of picking it up. It's similar to a fartlek. You could it, it's really kind of synonymous in some ways. I guess it just depends on the length of that pickup that you're doing. Um, but it's a great way to incorporate speed into a normal run without having to recover so long. It's just kind of a way for your muscles to be more responsive in a race. Um, so if somebody's trying to pass you, you can respond, and that's good. Um, this is a term that I use, and, and maybe because I grew up in Colorado, maybe it's just something we used in our in people that I ran with, and we do something called snowballs. So anybody that I work with, I will teach them how to do snowballs. And generally, it's in increasing your speed as you go type of, like, interval. Um, generally it's 200 meters or less when I have people doing it, but you just want to start out slower. You increase the speed kind of like a snowball rolling down the hill. It gains speed, it gains size, right? And then by the end you're full on sprint. So it's a good way to increase your ability to sprint, especially uh, with a finished kick, which we'll define later. So other things that we want to define are, this is one we hear all the time, this phrase is hitting the wall. So what does that mean? 
Uh, generally, hitting the wall means you just feel like you're mentally low. You just It's during a race or a workout where you just feel like you, you've hit a wall, like you can't go any further. Uh, oftentimes, people start walking. This is generally caused from either inexperience. Maybe you're racing and you, you're not sure what pace and you go too fast and then you die. You, that's another term we use is when somebody dies. <laughs> that's kind of after they hit the wall. So, um, yeah, uh, inexperience causes you to hit the wall, poor pacing, um, and also nutrition, low, low blood sugar. Those things can cause you to hit the wall. Let's hope you don't have to hit the wall, um, but... I'm pretty sure most runners end up hitting a wall one time or another. Um, it's also known as bonking. So, again, you just kind of have a really... Not that you can't return from hitting the wall, but it's definitely a slow point uh, in your run or race. Um, okay, another thing we mentioned before was kick. The kick is the thing that's at the very end of your race. Uh, it's usually that last run sprint pick up to the finish um I love that part for me particularly because I get very excited yes I'm almost done right and the way I look at it I I've always had a pretty good finish kick because I knew that if you pass someone and you get across the line they can't pass you back so it's always been my motivation and when I ran in high school I was known as a Colorado kicker so I like to sprint but I wanted to throw out another term that you have to be careful. So I did learn um, how to run better, um, but sometimes I would do something called sandbagging, which means you hold back so you have a finished kick, right? You don't put all your energy into the race, and that can be maybe you're not going to reach your potential if you're you're holding back too much or sandbagging. So that's a term that 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 is in running as well. So beware of that. Um, the next thing, I love to teach my um, younger athletes this that are running in, in junior high or high school. I like to teach them how to do splits. Splits are a smaller, it's kind of like, think about it as you've got a mountain to run, right? And you're breaking it down into the molehills. So it's breaking down, like this happens, figuring out your splits. You could do either mile splits in a marathon. You could do half mile splits if you wanted, or you could break it down into 200 meter sprints on the track or 400 meter splits on the track. Um, not, I guess, splits being, you know, what interval are you going to watch um, on your watch? That's what I like to have them do. So it kind of helps you with pacing. So it's a way to divide that down. So if you're going to do a six minute mile on the track that you know, two laps, you need to do three minutes and each lap you need to have your split at 130 to run an even pacing. So that's what a split is. Um, all right. So we talked about that hit in the wall. That was a term we use. What about runner's high? I'm sure you've heard this before too. Um, hopefully if you're listening and you've experienced that before, because it is a really great feeling. It's kind of a euphoric state where you just feel so good. Like you feel like you're on top of the world. It's very joyful. You feel just delighted and happy. Um, usually it doesn't last forever, but it is something that you can experience. Uh, usually it's, it's in a, a long run or it doesn't really happen usually until you've been out there for a while, or if you do intense exercise, sometimes you can get it. So that's what the runner's high is. Um, let's talk about some acronyms. Um, 
RHR, also known as resting heart rate. It can also mean recovery heart rate, which is after an interval. So there's two different kind of ways to use that. Um, that's useful in training. Um, so that's going to be your resting heart rate is how many beats your uh, you get per minute, per 60 seconds. And that's what your resting heart rate would be. And that can be very useful for overall health. If that's going down, that's a good thing. Um, generally, I see people's recovery heart rate after an interval or after a run. If they if it drops really quickly, that's a good indication you're in good shape. If it seems to linger and drop slowly, then keep working out and working on it, and eventually it'll go it'll go down faster. Um, BPM or beats per minute again it's your heart rate, so it's another acronym relating to the same thing. Uh, just what it sounds like there. Um, there is a way you can calculate it quickly. Like if you watch your watch and count, you know, six seconds and count however many beats in that six seconds and multiply it by 10, it'll give you a ballpark. A lot of watches, I know my watch does my heart rate, um, HR heart rate as I'm running. And so that's really nice to watch. I can see where I'm at or heart rate average is really good to look at. Um, other acronyms that we hear with running are going to be BQ which is your Boston qualifier. So it's a Boston, a time, a set time that the Boston Marathon has created for each age division to, you know, to see if you qualify for Boston. So um, everybody's a little bit different. You'd have to look up your own. It depends on your age and gender. So check that out. Um, another acronym we hear is CR, which is course record or the fastest time for that given course. Um, PR is something we use a lot or PB. So personal record or personal best is going to be whatever course you did. And it's your, your fastest time that you did personally. Um, there's also something called a FKT, which is your fastest known time for a, for a particular route. And that's generally not just for one person, but that's for, for, that course itself uh, it might be a trail run. I've seen that a lot. Um, there's also, you know, national record, world record. So NRWR, maybe you'll ever see that on TV or as a results on the internet somewhere. That's what that means. Um, I know a lot of times when I report how I did in a race, I will use the acronym AG, which is age group. So it was, uh, I see this a lot in placements, you know, don't get confused. Like if you have an overall placement is always usually faster. Um, even if like, they say you're fifth overall in a race and you're first in your age division, um, first in the age doesn't mean you won the race. It means you won your age division. So there's age group or AG is age group, overall is OA. So things to be thinking of there. Um, also in Strava, a lot of the acronyms they use is uh, our King of the Hill, K-O-H, or King of the Mountain. It's more King of the Mountain usually, K-O-M, or Queen of the Mountain, Q-O-M. Uh, those are used those uh, often. Some race terms that we've seen in this uh in running are a rabbit if you've ever heard of that i mean it's not a fuzzy creature yeah i mean it is but it's the other term we use rabbit for in a race and it's usually used in large races 
when you're trying to lead the elite runner. They're not the person that's, they're the person leading it for a while and they usually drop out. Um, they're not an official, you know, they're officially part of the race, but they're not official runner in the race, if you know what I'm saying. They are basically to lead them and make sure they get started off and then they usually drop out. I know in triathlons or on bike races, a lot of times they're on a motorbike or they're on a, they're cycling. Um, they're just there in a bright color for people to see where they're going. It just kind of helps get things started off. Um, other terms you'll hear with racing are going to be chip time. So chip time is usually when, when you get a chip time, that means that you're probably more of an age grouper or amateur runner where your time starts when you cross the start. So maybe you're in different corrals or different starting areas in a race and it takes you a while to get to the start line, right? So your time starts when you cross that finish, that mat. And then when you cross the finish mat, oftentimes they even have mats to kind of check where you're at in the race. But that, that time when you, when you cross that line at the end and those, the difference of those times, that will be a chip time. So it's a net time. It's not a lot of times in uh, big races, if you, you have to be an elite wave to start at the line because what they use for, for, especially for money, if you're winning money is they have a gun time and a gun time is different. It's you literally start, everybody's starting on this even playing. Like they're not nobody, it's not a chip time with them. It's who, who they all start together. They hear a literal gun fire and then, um, they, whoever finishes or crosses the line first is the winner. That's how gun time is and that's why they're in a different wave that's why they're at the front that's why they start separately and a chip time is for all the others so you're still getting an accurate time but maybe you're you know then that allows those elites to really race they're racing each other uh, they're all you know one of them didn't start like way back and run on their own right it they're supposed to be all running together to literally race each other so that's what the difference with those two are um Okay, other terms or things that we use with racing is the term swag. And these are sort of the goodies or the, the shirt and the metal and all the stuff you're related to getting when you sign up for a race. Um, people call the metal often bling. Bling is another term we use. Um, so those are common terms that we use. All right, uh, other things that we use in racing are acronyms, which are... Um, DNS, which means did not start. So maybe they signed up for a race and never showed up or it was crummy weather or whatever happened. Um, DNF is did not finish. So that means they started the race, but they didn't complete it. They didn't get to the finish line. Uh, that can happen with really crummy weather. Um, another term that some of you may not have heard as much of, but this is more of a slang term is DFL, which means dead freaking last. So that's something that's, um, that people use too. All right. Um, another acronym we hear in training would be DOMS, which is delayed onset muscle soreness. Generally that happens, especially with weight training, a hard interval. Usually I find people are sore two days after a good workout. So, um, that it is delayed, uh, onset of that muscle soreness. So, um, ITBS or an il iliotibial band syndrome is unfortunately way common. Um, not something that you want to deal with, but 
It's also known as IT band um, syndrome. Basically, you just get where your connective tissue rubs over that condyle in the front. You often feel it in your knee, but it's generally kind of an overuse or lack of stretching or imbalance of muscles, that kind of thing. So stretching, massage, foam rolling. Anyway, we, we don't have to get into that now, but definitely that's something you might hear of in the running world. Uh, overuse injury, which we talked about a little earlier, too much, too soon, you know, 10%. Usually it's all tied into that. Um, another acronym we hear a lot in running is LSD. And no, it's not a drug. It's, um, it means long, slow distance. Uh, and that's going to be usually your long run is that way sometimes for a lot of the people I work with, I may have them do some pacing work on that, especially the advanced runners I work with. I always do pacing on that. So, um, all right, let's talk about equipment. Some of the terms with equipment. I know this is a lot, huh? There's lots of terms that we use in running, but GPS or global positioning system, or we see those with watches. It's something that when I first started, I just used a chrono feature, which is just your stopwatch feature. Um, now they actually have the, you know, GPS. So you can see what pacing you're going the whole time. It basically uses the satellite navigation, uh, to give you an idea. Garmin is probably the more common version of a watch that people use with GPS. Very, very useful for training. So, um, that's, uh, something you'll probably run across. Other terms, Obviously, treadmill, you've heard of that, I'm sure, but a nickname or slang term for treadmill is dreadmill. A lot of people uh, maybe don't enjoy it quite as much, so that's often what we call it. Um, uh, we already talked about minimalist shoes. Uh, you've got your minimalist or your barefoot runner with absolutely no shoes or sandals, and then you've got minimalist shoes, which have a top, you know, they're uh, lighter weight, less less cushion, more responsive kind of shoe. And then we have a maximalist shoe, which is known as a cushion shoe. And it's more chunky, I would say. Uh, Hoka have been known to be a more cushion shoe. Uh, there's other brands as well. When it comes to our foot and other equipment, other words that you'll hear is call is pronation. Pronation is actually normal. It's your natural movement of your foot. But people can do something called overpronate, which is excessive inward roll. So your foot kind of rolls in. And that's not good. Uh, usually you need a shoe to correct that. Or you could use something called an orthotic, which is pretty much an insert that's formed to your foot or supports your foot. Um, so, you know, it usually is something very, you know, you can do an insert too or or something like that. Arch support, those kind of things are something you might want to consider. Um, there's also a term called supination, which is an insignificant inward roll. So I tend to have this where I don't roll as much on the inside. I have a very high arch. If you have a high arch, you might supinate, which you need a soft, make sure you get a shoe with a soft insep instep it allows it to roll it doesn't prevent it from rolling because if you have this this high arch and you supinate you might be more prone to it band syndrome um so you don't want torsion control you don't you want something that has a soft inset but your running shoe store can help you with that um if you have a tendency to have tight calves tight achilles 
uh, tenon, that kind of thing, you most likely are more of a supinator, but they can, they can determine that for you. Um, another word or thing that we use often equipment wise is going to be compression socks. Um, I'm a big believer in compression and not only just any compression, I'm a big believer in making sure that you have 44 or 40 milligrams of mercury pressure that and, and graduated compression is really important. So if you have any questions on compression, please let me know. There's a lot of clothing that's uh, made for compression and, and think about it. We're so much faster now. We have um, moisture wicking or dry wicking clothing that allows us to pull away moisture and keep our core temperature down. So all valuable for training. Uh, we have all that now and we're faster now too. Running tights is obviously a term we use. Basically, you want to make sure it's tapered at the bottom so we're not catching our toe. Um, that's why we wear the fitted spandex kind of stuff um, is to kind of keep us from catching our toe. Um, all right, other terms uh, or other, I guess, products or equipment that you should be aware of or things you'll hear thrown around in the running community are going to be foam roller. Um, a foam roller is pretty much what it sounds like it's a, a cylinder usually made of foam a lot of times um they can have nubs on them or generally when you start you should probably do a flat one but basically you roll them on your legs or you're putting your legs on them and rolling them to help with flexibility it increases blood flow helps with your um, recovery um and increases circulation i mean lots of benefits very good for recovery so foam roller is something you might hear about in the know with equipment another thing that you might hear about is ice baths or cryotherapy which is basically cold therapy um that you know I'll, i can define that a little bit more it basically constricts the blood vessels and then it kind of slows that swelling that happens because when you run or you challenge your muscles you do kind of damage them so they often will swell to demobilize it's just what your body does but if you can slow that down and then, um, you know, most people ice 10 to 20 minutes. Depends on how you do cryotherapy. Um, there's a lot of different modalities in terms of wet or dry or uh, compression boots or um, with ice, that kind of stuff. Um, then, you know, a lot of modalities there. But it does help help increase recovery. So just be aware of that. Um, fuel belts or fanny packs or handheld um, or backpacks. There's just a lot of different, um, you know, I'm sure you'll hear about all these things, uh, when you get into the running world. Um, some of the physiological words that we hear a lot would be maybe injury related things would be your side stitches. Um, basically this is kind of your pain in your abdomen that you get when you're running. Some people think it's related to either a cramp in your diaphragm or maybe you're a little gassy or the food isn't settling well in your stomach. Um, lots of different reasons for side stitch. Uh, I have, they also call them uh, side sticker. Um, lots of different reasons. I actually have that answered on my frequently answered questions page. I have a YouTube about it. So if you're interested in learning about breathing while running, that's something you can check out. Um, Endurance is obviously a word we use a lot in running, and it's the ability to continue running for a long period of time without stopping. So other words that we hear a lot are specificity. This is more in the arena of coaching, 
but this is pretty much is it is it relevant to your training so specificity to your running so often when I start people I have them do more cross training but then when they get closer to their event they're doing something more specific to what they're actually doing in the race uh, another word is called periodization training, and that's something that I use. So you just do different things at different times. Um, so, you know, maybe you have a base training, and then you're working on a different element of training, and then it kind of builds to your big race. So that's other word that you might hear. Um, anaerobic threshold, or all, it's also known as lactate threshold, or LT, is something that you'll hear a lot in the running world. Basically, this is a point where your lactic acid begins to build in the muscles and in your bloodstream. And so you can just kind of maintain that. You can't really get past it, right? You can train to get better and to be able to process that lactic acid better. Um, but it becomes a, a, it's kind of your limiter when it comes to what you can do in terms of ability. Um, VO2 max is another word we use, which is your aerobic capacity. So it's a little bit different in terms that um, it's your maximum amount of oxygen that your body can use during intense exercise. So there's kind of a point at which you you can't really function above that, right? So um, your capacity is pretty much determined by like your genetics or gender Body composition matters, your age matters, how much you train. So it is something that you can increase. You can increase your VO2 max by training properly. This is where having the right kind of training at the track really helps a lot. Um, other terms you'll hear are called hypotic. And that is pretty much when you've deprived yourself of oxygen, the tissue kind of fatigues completely. Like it won't really go anymore. So um, then you need the rest to build that back up. So that's more common in kind of weight training or sprinting, but pretty much you're, you feel like your legs are kind of giving out and that's, you, you, you've exhausted them, but rest, you'd be surprised. I see people do this with pushups. Um, they go hepatic, but, but you rest and then you can do more. So it's kind of cool. Um, other terms we use are hypothermic, um, Usually that's not something you want to be. Um, I won't go into like all the medical stuff because I'll just kind of throw it out there. These are terms you can definitely look up. We could be on this podcast for hours. But one I want to focus on a lot is chafing or chaffing. I don't know how you want to say it. Um, but it's also known as chub rub, um, putting some, something on that will prevent your skin from rubbing and becoming raw. So when it rubs against itself... It can be very painful. You can get a rash. You can use a lot of different products to prevent that. And there's different creams or certainly Vaseline or a lot of different stuff that you can use to prevent that. Usually it's you see chafing with your feet or between your legs is probably the most common. I've seen people with it under their arms. So you just got to be, you got to know where, where you're going to get those hot spots. And hot spots are usually, you can also get blisters in your shoes with chafing. So something to be aware of. Um, shin splints, let's hope you never have those, but can be caused from overuse or running too much. Um, generally ice helps with that, but, uh, shin splints, basically pain in your shin. Uh, you don't ever want it to go to what's called compartment syndrome, which is where you're really putting all, oh, there's too much pressure in the muscle. 
casing or the cavity and that can restrict blood flow. It can be a real problem. So make sure if you're feeling that kind of pain, some of it is just getting in shape and then some of it is overdoing it. So you got to know. That's why with my training, I ease people in and I do a lot of cross training when they start. Um, plantar fascia or plantar fasciitis is something we often see. It's typically an overuse issue. Uh, basically, that plantar fascia is, or fascia, I guess you could say it either way, it connects that bottom of your foot. It goes, it's a connective tissue right along the bottom of your foot. It attaches that heel to like the, the toe bones, and that's connective tissue. Not a lot of blood flow there. And so sometimes it can get really kind of stiff, and so um, that can be a problem. If your Achilles tendons are really tight, you can develop plantar fasciitis. A lot of it is, are you running in dead shoes? So it can be very prevented, but usually it manifests in the bottom of the foot and it can be very painful. So um, hopefully you're, you're not having that problem. Um, runner's knee is a term you'll run across a lot as well. So um, basically I think this happens a lot when of course people do too much too soon and our hamstrings seem to do a lot of the load actually with running. And so our quadriceps aren't always strong enough. So you can prevent this problem. It can be from uh, muscular weakness. It can be your knee cap itself is not tracking properly just because of muscle imbalance. And so, you know, you can get what's called, um, um, what is it called? Uh, patelliofemoral pain or syndrome, PFPS. And that's, again, you know, you sometimes you'll feel like your knee wants to give out, those kind of things. So runner's knee, definitely get get it checked out if your knees are bothering you. Some of it's just getting adapting to running. So um, a lot of things that you can do, you've probably heard this acronym before. It's RICE, rest, ice, compress, and elevate. Those are all really good strategies for helping your body recover. So make sure you look into those. Um other things that I'll just throw out these terms, like we've talked about Achilles tendons, you know, quad is something we talk about, gastrocnemius, glutes, hammies or hamstrings, um, all that anatomy. I'll, I'll just, these are just terms you'll hear and um, hopefully you're not getting injured too. But as you're doing some strengthening, just understanding what those terms are and what muscles they're referring to are going to be good. Um, when it comes to other things you might deal with when it comes to physical or you might get black toenails. You might lose your toenails. A lot of that has to do with uh, sometimes downhill running you're not used to. Often it could be too, too tight of shoes. Your feet do swell. I do have a video clip on how to check, you know, how to get the right shoes for yourself. Uh, other things you might run across are bloody nipples. Like with the men, they may chafe and band-aids usually solve that problem. Just to be aware when you're a runner. Uh, other terms that we use in racing that you hear of are bandit. Bandit is a word that refers to a participant that's doing a race that hasn't paid. So they don't have a bib. Um, usually it's frowned upon. I wouldn't suggest doing being a bandit. So uh, other things. And I mentioned bib. Bib refers to the race number that you, you put on the front. You do put it on the front, not on the back. I know sometimes in pictures and books and things, they put it on the back. But it actually should be put on the front. So that's your race number. Uh, other terms you'll hear about are carb loading. And you can, that's obviously uh, put, putting a lot of sugar into your body before a race. Um, definitely look at that up. There's a lot of conflicting views on that. So learning, learning about that would be good. 
Other terms you'll see in running uh, races is going to be Clydesdale and Athena, and they're basically weight divisions. So you've got your age group, and then you've got your weight division. So um, they usually have parameters for that, so you can check that out. Um, and finally, to the end, we're going to talk about some of the slang, other slang that you hear. I have dotted some slang throughout, but these are some things that I think are kind of fun. So some of the terms we hear for running are racecation. For me, that's, uh, and for a lot of people, that's traveling to a race. So it's maybe taking a vacation and racing on the vacation. Um, a lot of uh, other terms that you hear are sticky. Uh, a sticky is a person that drives around in a car that has tons of stickers all over their vehicle. So they're known as run stickers, of course. I'm sure you've seen a lot of those before. Um, I think most of us have a sticker or two on our, our vehicle. Other terms that you hear are hangry or um, you're hungry and you're grumpy. So at the same time, that's something we hear in running. Um, fuel is usually referring to race nutrition. Some of these are probably a little more common. Um, leapfrogging is a term you hear. Um, that's usually when you're running in a race or something and you tend to pass someone and then they pass you back and then you pass them and then they pass you back. That's called leapfrogging. Another term, and I became familiar with this when I did Ragnars or these races is, uh, Roadkill is pretty much what well, we used to call it when we pass somebody. We that's considered roadkill, and we count them when we did a Ragnar. Nothing personal, just fun, fun to push yourself. But roadkill is also known as somebody maybe that's kind of cramping on the side of the road. Um, they have pretty much met their match. Um, we do have some fixes for that, so just ask me about that. Other maybe unpleasant things that happen when you're running are. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard the term fitness leak, which means you, you couldn't hold it. I think this happens a little more with women that have had babies. Just saying, if you sneeze, you can have a fitness leak. Um, yeah, put two and two together on that. Uh, other things that we relating to this are going to be, I'm sure you've heard number one, number two, number three, pee, pee and poo, and you know, those things. Um, it's also known as a code brown. I'm sure you can deduce what that means. If you've got a code brown situation, you may have to use uh, the bathroom. I'm sure you've also heard the phrase crop dusting, which basically means you pass gas as you're passing someone. Not a nice thing, by the way, to do. Please don't do that to me. Um, I won't do it to you. You don't do it to me. Uh, another thing that we hear a lot in running, and I remember when I first heard about this and I first saw this, I thought this was disgusting. And I actually never really did this till I started cycling because um, I just thought it was disgusting. <laughs> but it's called farmer blow or, or snot rockets. And basically what that means is you hold one nostril and then you blow whatever's in your nose out onto the ground. Uh, that is a farmer blow totally gross but you know what sometimes you don't have tissue with you and that's what you got to do other uh, words that we hear of are the trots people have they have to go to the bathroom a lot during your race so that's no fun um but that's people that have the trots um other few other ones that are just kind of uh fomo i think we've heard of that before fear of missing out and then the last one is going to be dfl or dead freaking last. I know we 
uh, we had another term that was similar to that, but there's another one that people use. So hopefully I've covered most of it. It is sort of entertaining, and I know that was a lot, but, you know, I could go into each one of those and define them even more. There's just so many terms uh, to use in this, but hopefully you learned one or two things. And if you have one that I have missed, hopefully I have not, but if I have, please message me. Let me know what it is. We can add it. And uh, until next time, live well. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Healthy Living Podcast. Be sure and check the show notes for resources or links that we mentioned in the show. You can also find them on my website at blonderunner.com. B-L-O-N-D-E-R-U-N-N-E-R.com. You can also find me on Instagram at theblondrunner with an E and Coach Laura Erickson, and that's L-O-R-A. Before you forget, I hope that you will um, follow this podcast and like it so you don't miss an episode. Also, it really helps if you leave a review so other people can find it um, and share it with your friends. Until next time, live well.